Hello and welcome to the Unmasked Podcast. This is at C. Talene. Hey, Akira. Hey, how are you? I am great. Southern Cynic is sitting this one out, but I know she'll be excited because she can actually listen to the podcast um, because she never listens if she's actually speaking. So, hey, Southern Cynic. Hey, girl. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So uh, we have to get right into this episode because the reaction from this episode that I have seen was people were but hurt. Um, about yeah. Mobley and Trenton. They were like, one of the things we did, we talked about on our last podcast, I asked you in Southern Cynic, was White Rose a terrorist or was she a savior? And you and Southern Cynic both chose um, to see her as a savior and I chose to see her as a terrorist. And we said we would um, do a poll and see what the what the Twitter people thought. So um, the Twitter results were solidly 78% directed as White Rose as a terrorist. Did you see those results on the um, timeline when they were, when the poll was done? I, yeah, I did. I also saw that some people like me were like, can we get a third option? (laughs) (laughs) They were, and I solidly said, absolutely not. You have to choose. Uh, exactly i mean they didn't i mean unlike me they didn't get the whole leon has his knife at your throat so you better decide something i was surprised and yes i know where that knife is oh my gosh lord leon i can't wait to talk but talk about him but i was surprised the number of people that 78 percent of the people who participated and i think Mm. we had about 100 votes on that that um, that number of people were seeing White Rose as a terrorist, but I know White Rose is still much beloved on the timeline up until this last episode. And now people are like, F the Dark Army, F White Rose. <laughs> Folks are mad. Mad is one way to describe how people are feeling. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, this was, I, I mean, should we even compare? Compare this to how people were feeling about Shayla. Um, so I know that even at this point, there are still some people who are, st- who are still somewhat in their feelings about Shayla. That is true. Uh, leaving us all too soon. That is true. Um, but yeah. if anything, but if anything, I guess we could just say that that's just a testament to these characters and the actors that portray them. Um, you know, you they, they just find their way into your hearts and then, you know, you got to let them go. Yeah. So, yeah, you, de- you definitely yeah. have to let him go. We don't have a choice. I know um, Ghost on um, Mr. Roboto is always talking about zombie Shayla. So I'm yeah, sure he's so going to be want... talking about zombie Trenton. Yes. yes, I need to hit him up and ask if he's going to be, if he has mentioned that as of yet. I, I don't, I'm not sure if they've recorded um, their episode yet. But uh, yeah, I got to ask him, will uh, zombie Trenton and Mobley be joining them? Will be joining Shayla? They have to. They have to. I love it. But we'll talk about that more deeply um, in a little bit. I wanted to start out with Angela. Girl. This girl. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, mean, the main reason I say this girl (laughs) is because I'm watching this episode. 
<laughs> watching the, I mean, okay, y'all know that I tend to go to bat for Angela a lot. You do, you do. You know, take one for the, take one for the girl and, you know, be like, um, but, uh, I, I just, girl is far, girl is far too zone. I don't even know, I don't even know what to say to go to bat for her anymore. I don't. I think Angela, I know Angela had no earthly idea that it was going to be at this level. She had no idea um, that it was going to be 4,000 people dead. And at first I was like, you saw on the timeline, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with Angela? What did White Rose say to her? But I really think like in season two where we saw Angela listening to her tapes and saying her mantras and convincing her of certain things. I think that's what we saw in this episode is that Angela Mm -hmm. is shaken to her core, but now she has created this mantra to herself to justify her actions and convincing herself that they can bring these people back. It's going to be okay. I'm just going to trust in White Rose's vision because that's the only way she can cope. Right. Yeah. She's definitely gone off into um, whatever her sense of reality is at this point. And yes, like you said, with those mantras, we've definitely, I think in this case, have seen those mantras pay off to where she is just repeating the mantra in her head, whatever that mantra is in this case. Um, and it's making me even more curious to know what exactly did White Rose tell you, but, um, but also I'm seeing what some other people on Twitter have been talking about saying, you know, that the girl is basically in, in the catatonic state and mm-hmm. basically um, almost, in the, and also like in the state of um, someone that's in a cult more or less. And when you're, you're trying to hold the mirror for them to see the truth and see what's going on, they don't want to, they just, um, they just, uh, what's, I guess, I can't well, think of the, the word, word right now, the but word they, that, just, the word they that, hold on to it that much more tighter. You know? The word that is coming to my mind, and it's not a word that I use lightly, is it seems like she's been radicalized for whatever yeah. it is that White Rose, um, whatever White Rose's vision is. And White Rose tells us later that she had to step in and manipulate Angela and she's a master right. at manipulation, as we will see. But she just seems completely oh. radicalized to the cause at this point. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And, that, and also, um, rewatching the episode again, I had to go and, of course, do some more research. Because, I mean, we, you know, we've been in outside, the life outside of this show. We've seen things like um, cult followings and whatnot. There seems to be that. Um, and not that's not so much that mentality. Well, I guess the mentality and people trying to analyze and psychoanalyze. Okay, well, what goes on into what goes on in the the mind of the leader? What goes on into the mind of these of anyone that's so easily led into these types of of um, setups? I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I found, um, and of course, I know there's a, a heck of a lot more research to be done. This is just like what's done in over the course of a few days. Um, but basically just saying that any type of leader in a cult basically um, manipulates, um, manipulates the followers um, need for emotional comfort. Mm-hmm. So um, basically mm-hmm. they'll make all these, basically make all these um, promises that, you know, cannot possibly be made. Um, so ba- so uh, we obviously know that there is something, um, something with, an- some- that there's something with Angela, you know, she lost her mom and everything. 
we, I mean, yeah, we know that we know that there's that, but what if, but we don't know, I guess the full extent of it, um, you know, just how much did that F her up? Because we hear Darlene talk about how um, their dad died, fucked her up. We see, we've seen how it is with Elliot. So, um, but yeah, White Rose was just able to swoop in and manipulate um, that emotional comfort that uh, Angela needed. And girl is just hanging on for the cause. And what you say makes sense because remember in the first episode of this season when Elliot talked about the problem with Angela is that she loves the people who don't love her um, and she doesn't love the people who do. So it seems like Mm -hmm. she has some um, emotional need, but from crappy people, if if we can remember Ollie um, and her willingness to marry him. But I think Mm -hmm. Angela has a lot of, of course, a lot of anger with the death of her mother and what happened with Washington Township. And we do know from the flashback with her mom that her mom seemed to be a white rose believer as well. And um, coupled with the fact that her mom said those things to her about, I'll see you again, um, probably some of the same language that white rose used for her coupled with, like you said, Angela's emotional needs she could be easily manipulated. And at the time that White Rose got her for those 28 minutes, Angela was at a breaking point. She was ready to go to the FBI. She was ready to give up her revenge against Evil Corps. So White Rose swooped in at like the perfect time to massage Angela into Mm -hmm. getting on board with whatever it is she said to her in those 28 minutes. I'm just waiting for that flashback. I thought that um, White Rose was going to tell us a little bit more when she was talking to Philip Price, but I was disappointed that that didn't happen. Yeah, no, Girl only gave us just a little, Girl only gave us just enough to leave us wanting more. So I'm kind of wondering as far as how this, um, how the, how, how will it be handled or how will it be revealed to us uh, that conversation, what, what went on in that conversation after, you know, the part that we missed, um, are they, mm-hmm. I'm curious to know if that is, if it's necessary to even treat it as a single episode or maybe some episode where it's intercut with other scenes. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. I'm thinking Obviously, she might even, I'm thinking she might even tell Darlene because I'm really impressed that Darlene is sticking by Angela right now, knowing that Angela was a part of this horrible thing, knowing that Angela betrayed her brother, that on one hand, I think Darlene is trying to get information from, for the FBI in order to prevent something else. But also I do think it is a genuine caring for Angela that she's sticking with her. So maybe Angela will explain to Darlene why she's acting so bizarrely and explain why Rose's plan to her. All right. Also, yeah, so far she's not getting much out of her yet, but who knows? Maybe, maybe if Darlene uh, sticks, you know, keeps up, keeps at it, maybe she'll be able to break or mm-hmm. maybe not. We'll just have to wait and see. But yeah, I do agree with you that um, some of it is, to, part of it is for her to try to get information. And then also part of it is, you know, they were childhood friends um, and just to kind of watch your friend go through this. I think if anything, um, you know, we've we've also talked about how Angela and Elliot um, have moments in the story where they kind of mirror each other, even mm-hmm. though even if they go about it in different ways. So for me, it's almost 
it's all, I guess it's almost maybe her seeing this saying, I guess in a way seeing what happened to Elliot more or less in a way seeing that, you know, now seeing it happen to Angela too. That's true. Kind of, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. And speaking of Elliot, we see Elliot isn't much better off than Angela is right now. We see him go to Krista's and he can't even speak. Um, because we know he doesn't handle crisis well. He doesn't handle hard situations well. But I loved how they showed um, Mr. Robot come out in Krista's office. I love how they did it with the sound, how they did it with the lighting change, everything. That was that was beautifully shot. Yeah. I was like, the more that we get to see these transitions, I'm just loving, just loving Every transition, I'm just loving what we get visually, you know, through sound and everything. It's just stepping up the, you know, they just stepping it up every time. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And again, with this transition, um, yeah, um, definitely, yeah, definitely. This is um, Elliot's way of coping with uh, what he, what role he played in this. Uh, in can we even call it stage two? Because they just basically hijacked his plan. Uh, I kind of almost want to call it stage 2.2, but I can't, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, because Mr. Robot is pissed that yeah. they are basically bastardized his plan to take down evil core and instead is making, um, the powerful more powerful. So right, making it all about them mm -hmm. and yeah, cause you're right. And what we've seen from that, I mean, he was all, you know, he seemed all too happy to take credit for things like five, nine mm -hmm. and what, what we originally knew stage two to be, but, um, this, but this whole thing, he's like, yeah, no, they're not pinning that on me. They're, um, and whatnot. And basically, yeah, just pissed that they've completely, just completely infiltrated the whole thing, not just his plan, but also what we've seen and what we've seen throughout the rest of the episode and even before this episode that they've been infiltrating S society and just, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, shaping the narrative Don't for you, what S society is. I found it interesting and maybe you might disagree. It felt like Mr. Robot was more concerned about his plan being changed without his permission and it benefiting the dark army, um, more than he was concerned with 4,000 people dying. That like I felt like Elliot was concerned that all those people died, and Mr. Robot was more concerned about his plan being changed without his permission and being used for a different purpose. On a, on some level, I might disagree with it because I mean, because he did say it was only supposed to be one building, all mm -hmm. the records were supposed to go there. So I think he may not verbally say it, but I think on some level he is also upset because of that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I mean, because any way that you look at it, I mean, that was the aftermath of them, of the Dark Army basically hijacking his whole plan. And so on some level, I would disagree that he, I think, on, in some way does feel, you know, is also angry that as a result of this, this, you know, 4,000 and counting people have died. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. I felt um, like one of the themes of this, last week's episode was let me break it down for you because I felt like throughout mm -hmm. the episode, everybody, there were just all these instances of people just breaking it down. So you can clearly understand. And we see Mr. Robot do that for Krista because you can tell when, 
he's initially talking to her that she is basically, um, that she doesn't believe him. She doesn't believe what he's saying. Um, she thinks that he's just mentally off and this is just a delusion. But Mr. Robot had to break that down for her and we see her legal counsel show up because she wants to go to the FBI and she is bound by her ethical principles and she really can't tell what um, was said to her in a session unless there was um, an immediate threat to danger. I don't trust this lawyer. Right. I don't trust this lawyer. I don't trust anyone at this point, but I'm certainly not going to trust an old white man lawyer. What are you saying to Krista? I mean, yeah, this show, the more, the more, if the, the more we dive into episode after episode, the whole, the list of who can you trust just keeps shrinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, the whole, let me break it down to you. Basically, it, the, the, pretty much everybody had to have a break it down, broken down for them, even robot eventually, because mm-hmm. of like, stop, you know, stop living in your own either idea, either idealistic delusion of reality or you know a safe delusion of reality for you it's like you need to come out of this and actually see what is going on in front of you and see it for what it is Mm -hmm. so yeah and definitely with um with Krista um I mean the look on her face when he just broke everything down for her girl just looked like she was shook to the core she was lord she was Mm -hmm. And that was some beautiful acting by Gloria Rubin as well. Yeah. That was some yes. beautiful emotional I always love seeing her on. Yeah. I always love seeing her on the show, especially because even when, but especially more for, for what she can convey when she's not even, when she, she's not even talking at all. Mm-hmm. It's just so much that can be conveyed. I just love that. I love quiet acting with just your mm-hmm. facial expression and gestures. Like I love that. And she does it beautifully. But um, speaking, you were kind of alluding to that scene with um, Mr. Robot and Irving when he's basically telling him, look what's in front of you. Why do you think, because uh, that Corradonna does his weekly interviews with The Hollywood Reporter. I'm sure you read the article. And um, he pointed out the fact that Mr. Robot didn't have his hat or glasses on when he woke up in that car. Do you have theories about that? Um, I know that there's something behind it. I just have not been able to make any connections just yet. I I don't. The only thing I could think of is maybe that was evidence of more of an integration with Elliot because um, we know that Elliot and Mr. Robot haven't been able to talk to one another at all this season. They've had to use um, an intermediary. intermediary? Uh-huh. <laughs> I need to stop using these graduate but, level words. <laughs> um, so right. when he didn't have the hat and the glasses on, I almost felt like maybe it was kind of this integration with Elliot because of the shock of what is happening with him, but also the way that Irving is talking to him and the things that he's saying to Mr. Robot and even some of the expressions from Mr. Robot didn't seem, I don't want to say as aggressive when they were standing outside of the party. Yeah. It didn't seem completely like himself. So that's kind of my general theory um, of that. So 
we would have to see next week what happens when we actually see Elliot again. Is he going to be able to interact with Mr. Robot again? Thoughts are starting to come through, but um, yeah, I can't really straighten them out just yet. So no, no, you can never, you can, you can never straighten out thoughts. And I feel no, I want. And even, when, <laughs> and even when you do have, when you think you got to straighten out, it's like, yeah, no. Yeah. Go it's back like, and try again. No, you were completely wrong. We just led you down this path, but we're really all the way over here. I do wonder yeah. who the who the senator is um, that Irving was um, fixing the mistress for. I wonder if that's going to um, come out later, who the senator was at this party. So. Yes, I'm slightly curious, too. Yeah. But. I'm, I'm sure we won't get an answer anytime soon. Hmm. With the whole robot not having his glasses thing is it we're gonna have yeah we're gonna have to let this marinate a little bit more thanks mm-hmm. core yeah because he's like remember when we first saw mr robot in season one he wasn't wearing his hat and glasses at first and i'm like thinking back i'm like okay yeah so what does this mean what does there this was maybe mean? one or there was just one part here where when he had the what is it the box of twinkies yeah then he had the hat then when they were in the arcade, yeah, he had on the glasses. But yeah, so we're gonna have to go back and uh, mm-hmm. go back and rethink that thing. And then also, then also with the art with the Hollywood Reporter articles, um, noticing usually that the first that the first answer that Core always gives is usually some Shakespeare um, a line from a Shakespeare play. But then there's also a number behind it. So mm. like, Core, hmm. is there something behind? Because I, I I just always notice the numbers, and I'm like. Okay, yeah, I just gotta ask. Or is there something up with this? And of course, I just only got it. All, he only hit the like guy. He didn't get a reply back. Not that I was expecting an answer back. Because um, if, if there, even if it was an answer, it probably would be Fidelia or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which you know. So you're gonna so, have to print yeah. out all those articles, and you're gonna have to do like some a deep dive analysis. I'm going to have to get another damn board, really, is what I'm going to have to figure <laughs> do, that do part you, out. Do you have a Dom DePiro board in your bedroom for Mr. Robot? No, only mentally in my head. I feel like I've got one. Um, but one of the yes. things we talked about, and we were talking about this in the DMs right before we started recording, you had questions about Terrell. So, so tell the listeners one of what we were talking about in the DM with Terrell. Okay, really, my whole thing, and I know that I wasn't the only one that had not so much questions, but more like, hmm, moments. Um, so yeah, they basically had Tyrell um, work out stage two and everything, and then they wanted to have this whole thing where he um, ends up being. Oh, the stuff of the narrative is, oh, he was held captive by, held captive by somebody. And then all of a sudden he is able to escape and uh, let them know about an attack. Of course, only seconds before the attack is supposed to happen. Yeah, like this little, and maybe this is me being nitpicky about certain things, but I'm like, uh, okay, someone being held captive. Why is this man still looking like he, looking like he just left Wall Street if he's been held captive? Yes, I know why am I pointing why am I pointing out something like that, but still some details. I think you're absolutely right. And we talked about or I hypothesized last week that they were gonna be setting Tyrell up as the hero so that he could identify 
um, point to F society as being behind the attacks. And I also think that when he was yelling about the, um, you have to stop them or whatever, I think it was referring mm -hmm. to that F society video that the FBI mm -hmm. was looking at that was talking about another attack that was forthcoming, which is obviously just a fake as a way to, you know, throw Trenton and Mobley under the bus and kind of neatly tie up this whole five, nine attack business. But what you're saying is absolutely right. Because as soon as I saw Tyrell had the handcuff on the bed, I was thinking if he's been held captive for five, for five months, he's going to have to have wrist marks from being handcuffed. He would have bruises on his arm, all of that jazz. And when he was sitting in the interrogation room, girl, his chest looked so big and like strong from chopping all that wood. He did all not look wood. like, girl, I like, I thought, you know, I don't really find Terrell to be like someone I would be attracted to. But girl, when he was sitting there in that blue shirt and I could see his pecs, I was like, hmm, that benefited you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. It is problematic that he looks all clean. Like he doesn't even have a beard. They should have told him not to shave yeah. the beard. Well, I think Irving did bring, you know, uh, mention something about like, or did question like, okay, why would you want to put on the suit? That's and he was true. like, I have saying that he had saying that he had to look nice for Elliot and it's like okay mm -hmm. you know but like I was going to do anything that Irving said anyway so I'm actually kind of surprised he followed the directions read the letter and burned it good on you Tyrell well I mean he did yeah. it with the promise of his family um yeah and, you know I tweeted out after Santiago um broke it down for Tyrell that Tyrell you ch you chose poorly my friend because he finally sees he got completely used. He was completely manipulated and used. Santiago is, he's going to become a, a wild card, in my opinion, because I'm questioning if White Rose knows what he did with that baby, or was that a decision that Santiago made on his own as kind of an insurance um, to kind of cover himself? Because we know he made a mistake with telling his mother to stay home last episode because he was kind of fussing at her about that. And this is really the first time we've seen Santiago really losing his stuff at work and yelling at Dom and things like that. So I think he is going to be a wild card. Yeah, I think he might be a wild card as well. I still don't like him. Um, so if Tyrell wanted to um, break himself loose from the handcuffs and kill Santiago, I really wouldn't shed a tear over it. It was so cold. He was so cold. And I'm just, I'm even, I mean, because I've seen um, some people question, okay, well, what is, you know, wanting to know a little bit more of his backstory? And I'm kind of like, I really don't really care to know. <laughs> Santiago's just a jackass. I have no redeemable qualities as far as I'm concerned. Tyrell can kill him and I'll be okay with it. Uh, I, I just really felt for Tyrell, really, in this whole situation. Oh, my gosh, yeah. He, you know, from from jump, when when his wife was telling him, you're not the man I married anymore. If you want mm -hmm. to get yourself back in this family, you'll fix it. So, 
you know, from that point on, he was looking for something to latch onto in order to get him back into that, back into that person that his wife used to see him as. So he was using Elliot and this whole crazy scheme that Elliot had as the way for him to do that. And then now, like, I mean, because his wife and his family have just been like that that main motivation motivation to keep going with all this and then again Santiago such an ass yeah he really really is and I think he made a mistake by threatening Tyrell's son I think that was a mistake Mm -hmm. on his part because Tyrell is fiercely loyal as we've seen and he'll do whatever it takes hence Mm -hmm. blowing up 71 buildings Remember in the previews, there is a scene with Philip Price and Terrell, and we weren't sure if that was a flashback or not. My my prediction is, well, they're not going to be able to hold Terrell because his lawyer basically said, he's giving you the the persons who held him. He's going to give you the persons who actually did the 5-9 attack. um, And you really can't hold him on anything. And Santiago was was, um, backing that up. I'm feeling like Terrell is going to maybe turn to Price because Price is royally pissed off at White Rose right now and they might do some shenanigans together to somehow get back at White Rose because she has betrayed both of them terribly. That's my, just my prediction. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case because, um, you know, yeah, I, wouldn't be, I would not be surprised if they, um, if they got together and decided to do some things. For, uh, to White Rose. I don't think it's going to be successful, but... <laughs> mm, yeah, I don't know. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know if it'll be successful either. I doubt that. But so so since we've been talking about White Rose, let's talk about that. And I'm so sad that Southern Cynic is not here because all since we did the rewatch this summer of season two, she has said she wants to see Philip Price on his knees. And I feel like we finally got to see that in that epic showdown at yeah. the Mar-a-Lago between Price and White Rose. What were your thoughts? I had so many in that scene. What were some of your thoughts in that scene? If White Rose considers that a damn slap on the wrist still. Girl. I mean, yeah, okay. No, that, that was not a slap on the wrist. That was something else that I'm not even going to say. But yeah. Um, and then, hmm. I mean, White Rose surely does. I mean, damn. White Rose is seriously <laughs> go top, is seriously popping karma. They say karma comes back at your ass, but damn, White Rose has karma beat. Oh, man. For, it's always really been interesting watching White Rose and Philip have, I guess, what we can call a pissing contest between the two of them. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the last, well, one of the last times that they've had a conversation of this sort um, was back in season two when Philip was saying, you know, try to, you know, try to basically egging him on to try to come at me the best way you can. You know, I, I will reign chaos and basically, you know, I'd rather see, you know, I'd rather see you lose than me win. And then of course to see the two come at it again and Philip basically realizing that, you know, who else, who else could have been behind all this, but white Rose. And, um, just coming to White Rose for the answers and everything, but not, I don't, yeah, I guess we can't really, I guess not really getting the answers that he wants, just wanting to know why, you know, why would you come after me? Of course, Evil Corp is going to manage to come out of this okay. 
um, as White Rose said, but of course, Philip won't. Basically, White Rose is handling, okay, let the ultimate, let me break it down to you. This is how it's going to go. Absolutely, the ultimate break it down. And the thing that stuck out to me was when White Rose revealed that she had handpicked Philip Price to be in that position after she had gotten rid of the previous one, that she Mm -hmm. had given him specific tasks to do to keep her Washington Township project safe, get rid of the lawsuit. He wasn't able to do that because he couldn't manipulate Angela and he had Mm -hmm. to step in and do that. So I, you know, I was just struck by Philip Price, the only reason you're in your position is because White Rose put you there and you're Mm going to think you're the most powerful person in any room. It's like you're her lackey and you've always been the lackey. So why are you trying to act like you're not? I was just like, wow. Wow. But it also brings up an interesting question, because, especially with Angela, because um, a lot of us have had this question going back into season two, like what is it that Philip wants from Angela or, you know, why does he, what's going on really between the two of them? What is the, what is the power play or what's the relationship between the two of them? And um, yeah, he was supposed to manipulate her, but I almost want to go as far as to saying that maybe there was, you know, I guess from watching, um, from watching the season three interview, uh, basically just saying that there was some, you know, that Angela, that Angela pretty much represents everything that Philip Price had to give up in order to get where he is. Things, there are things about her that he wants and, you know, he's chosen her to be the person that will give those things to him. So, yeah. So with that, I'm kind of wondering, will we, you know, like you said, we've seen a scene with Ty, with uh, Price and Tyrell. Will there even be some things with Angela and, and Price again? But um, I don't even know if Angela can walk out of her apartment door at this moment. <laughs> we shall see. But, <laughs> she needs to go we, see Krista. <laughs> we shall see soon enough. But um, but it almost. But again, back to um, it just kind of makes me wonder. You know, with him having with his task being able to manipulate, being supposed to then manipulate and control her. But what if there was again something about her, like her rep, like again her representing things that he had to give up or whatever in order to mm-hmm. get to where he was. Like, what if there, like, what if there was those, what if it was those qualities that maybe made him not up to the task of doing it? Yeah. I also wonder, because White Rose told Philip Price that basically you're done being the CEO of Evil Core and you're going to um, hire the replacement that I tell you to, I'm moving my mm-hmm. plant to the Congo and you're going to oversee that move. And I'm want, what if White Rose wants Terrell to be the new CEO of Evil Core, someone that he knows he can manipulate and Maybe that's why Philip Price and Terrell were talking. That would be interesting. And CEO sound, CEO would sound a lot better than CTO of a mm-hmm. CTO of Evil Corp. Um, and it would show yeah, that, that they. It would definitely show that they don't believe that he was responsible for the hack if they make him the head of the company. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure. Do I'm you want to be wrong. though? Do I want to be wrong? I don't know, girl. Yeah, that's like, you want to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm you, sure know, I, you know how the, 
you know how us Mr. Robot fans are when we get when we got a theory and we go with it. I was like, do you want to be wrong or do you want to be right? I don't know so. because I'm sure whatever Sam has planned is better than anything my mind can think of. Oh, I'm sure it's so much better than what I could think of. But I'm still want I still want to know what is in the Congo. What is so great about the Congo that he can move the plant from New Jersey? to Africa and still get his project going. Maybe it's just the anonymity of the Congo and he doesn't maybe have to deal with the government and regulations as much there like he did um, in the United States. I don't know, but I'm still very fascinated with whatever it is that White Rose has planned. Exactly. Yeah, we ha yeah more questions. It's true to form. When you get when you get answers, you only have more questions. Definitely, definitely. And Dom has lots of questions. She her um, BS meter was working, and she was not liking what she was smelling. Um, she doesn't believe Terrell. She's just like you, Akira. She's not buying it. Um, even when Santiago came at her, Dom kind of looked at him like. Oh, really? And the last thing we see of her is putting White Rose's name on her board, which has never been done before. Mm -mm. Basically, at this point, Dom is just like, fuck this, fuck y'all. I'd be surprised if Dom just goes ultimately rogue on this whole thing. But I mean, when Santiago snapped at her, I was like, I was about ready to jump in the TV and beat his ass myself. You're like, look, bitch. <laughs> you know? um, yeah. He was really posturing. He was really posturing. And usually he's calm with her. He's able to be logical with her. But girl, Santiago is on the edge. Um, I think seeing a nerd, um, Sarah was talking about Dom going after White Rose. And or she was saying, who's going to go after White Rose? And I think I said, mm -hmm. what if there was a Dom and Elliot team up to go after White Rose, which could also be interesting since Dom already mm -hmm. has Darlene and Darlene could get Elliot on board doing something clandestine with Dom. Well, that would be even more interesting if you're um, Tyrell probably becoming the new CEO of, e of Evil Corp comes true. That would make it even more interesting. Mm -hmm. Because White Rose yeah. did choose not to identify Elliot as part of F Society and only mm -hmm. target um, Trenton and Mobley. And he could have easily had Terrell point towards Elliot. So it's obvious that Elliot still has some type of value for White Rose and that she's not ready for him to, as our big grant said, make that ultimate sacrifice for the cause. So we still have to figure out what does White Rose want with Elliot? Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have to see. We have to see. But we have to talk about the highlight and the low light of the episode, which is Leon, Trenton, and Mobley. So we get to see this flashback to the end of season two where Leon rolls up on Frederick and Tanya sitting outside of their new job and says, do you have, excuse me, do you have the time? And um, I don't, I'm not sure if that was supposed to be the date of the attack of, the, of stage two or not because Leon has on different clothes and his hair is different. But I wasn't sure if we're supposed to think that was the same day. 
What do you think? I want to maybe go as far. Yeah, I don't think that that was supposed to be the same day as uh, as a stage two. Okay, because I feel like they're so detail oriented. They definitely definitely would have put him in the same clothes because Leon was looking clean in his outfit this episode. His hair was all nice. He looked real good. But I felt like as soon as I saw Trenton and Mobley with their hands tied and as soon as they were saying that um, Tyrell had picked two suspects, I knew that Trenton and Mobley were done for. I wasn't expecting it in that way, but I knew definitely that's who they identified. I didn't think they were going to. I wasn't surprised that they died. I was surprised about how they died. Yeah, I think that that's probably the more shocking part of it. And again, yes, Dark Army and White Rose, I know y'all be planning stuff, but it's like, come on now, y'all would really have Trenton and Mobley, who are straight up from F Society, like the whole self-sacrificing thing, that's a Dark Army move, not mm-hmm. F Society. When have we ever, because case in point, Darlene, I mean, if girl was like, yeah, FBI right there with Dom right there. But yeah, you know, that the whole self-sacrifice, that is a Dark Army move. Um, so mm-hmm. again, uh, Dom, is, Dom is not buying the bullshit that's going around right now. No. Yeah. Yeah, she's not going to buy this. She's not going to buy the the double suicides of it all. Um, I felt like this, I think one of the reasons people got so angry at the end of this episode with um, Trenton and Mobley is because they spent so much of the episode reminding us how much we love these two characters, just the banter Mm -hmm. between the two of them. And it was you know, and it wasn't just like one scene. We repeatedly see this banter between them. And for them to end it that way with them, I think that's another reason that people were so angry and hurt with the death of these two. Well, I hate to break it to you, but Cora has <laughs> said it more than once. Worry about everybody on this show. Mm-hmm. So with that said, yes, that even means, you know, that even means, you know, possibly preparing yourself for some unfortunate outcome for Elliot oh. you know what else what else what but he said worry about everybody he did and, White Rose even, and even White Rose said in the first episode of season three and then he can die for us I don't want so, to die for I us mean, does, does it mean that I'm ready for it and ready to see it no but mm. I just got to try to prepare myself for it <sighs> yeah I'm um, not doing that I'm not doing that I'm not preparing myself for that I refuse Okay, well, at least just keep it in the back of your mind. Of course, said worry about everybody. Oh, fine. Speaking of worrying, when Trenton and Mobley were in the car, and um, Trenton or Mobley was asking about that email, did you send that email? And Trenton mm-hmm. said she hadn't, but she has it set up to go out automatically to someone she trusts. I feel like it's not Darlene because she would have just said Darlene or mm-hmm. Elliot because that's a common person between them. So this person she trusts, do you think this is someone we already know or have already seen, or do we think they might be introducing someone new? I'm going to guess it's someone that we've known. Um, and also since Mobley just, and also since Mobley mentioned FBI, mm-hmm. I'm going to hope, I'm going to hope with all hope that that someone that she trusts is Dom. And then also another thing that's um, about Dom's board that has always been like, a bit of a hmm for me 
mm-hmm. is um, looking at the F Society part, you know, the portion that's locked off for F Society, that Darlene, Darlene Mobley and uh, Romero, they were all boxed in, in the F Society box, but Trenton, for some reason, was not in the box. Oh. You know what I've wondered? I've wondered if the, um, I know this is, this might come out wrong. You know, the guy she would always buy the turkey sandwich from at the mm-hmm. corner store. I somehow wondered if that guy was somehow related to Trenton and maybe she knows Trenton in a different way because, you know, Dom is always mining for information. And like when she was talking to him, he would ask about, his daughter and just like asking these casual questions that if you think about it, they're not really casual questions is trying to get information. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if that was part of her doing um, investigation on F society and the five nine hack. And we just didn't know it at the time. Hmm. Now, maybe now we got some other things to be on the lookout for (laughs) the next rewatch. (laughs) Yeah. I just feel, and one of the things that did, and usually I don't, you know, I don't complain about this show. I understand why they connected F Society to Iran, um, but I was disappointed that that happened because I just thought about the scene where Trenton was called a terrorist by, was it, was it Susan Jacobs who called her a terrorist? When Susan Jacobs asked, and also, yeah, asked her if she was a member yeah, it was of Susan Jacobs. Yeah, so I felt, yeah. I felt bad for Trenton that she is going to be portrayed as a terrorist when, you know, we had seen that ugly scene between her and Susan Jacobs and that her family is going to see her portrayed as a terrorist. So I was just really, you know, sad thinking about that. But I understand why White Rose decided to go that route because it's, you know, considering the time and the world, that's very believable. But it was just, you know... As a viewer, I was sad about that. But even not just, you know, why White Rose painted that picture. Um, it's also, it could also be seen as a commentary about how, as a society, we're so easy to stereotype and just, mm-hmm. you know, associate the, associate the word terrorist with certain people of, of ethical, of ethnic or um, religious backgrounds. And then you have other groups of people where they do things that, me or you would ter- would where we would categorize that as terrorism, but no, they don't get they don't get the terrorist label. So no, like, they're oh, they're oh. Ment- they're mentally ill long gun- lone gunmen. That's mm-hmm. what they are. Yeah, so yeah, so I just yeah, I think it was just a commentary of how you know how we as a society slap the label of terrorists mm-hmm. on certain people and fail to do so on others. Yeah, and I think it it. It like I said, it wraps it all up in a neat, believable bow by mm-hmm. connecting it to Iran, um, Trenton and Mobley. They had already arrested the fake F Society guy. Was it two weeks ago? Yeah, and they, yeah, and they connected him with Iran. So, yeah, White yeah. Rose, and then is, also, and then also, um, robot telling Krista, you know, like you're all you, you're all you're buying the narrative that they mm-hmm. that they've been telling you about for months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wondered also if that was partly the narrative about Terrell, because remember, Frank Cody has been saying mm-hmm. um, things about Terrell that is kind of going against him being the um, the the person who did the 5-9 hack. So I wondered if he was also referring to that narrative as well. 
I have to say, I had um, some conversations with Grant, Grant Chang, listeners, I'm talking about Grant Chang. I had some conversations with him before the um, episode aired, maybe like a couple hours before. And um, because I think he had said, or you maybe had um, tweeted from his Instagram to make sure that we watched um, that night. And I was tweeting with him. I said, I feel like you're preparing us for something terrible. And he basically said, um, keep hope alive or something. <laughs> or I said, I don't, I said, as long as anything don't, doesn't happen to you. And then he said, you can only hope. And I said, I feel like you're preparing us for something terrible. So I was thinking it would be him getting hurt, but there our, our bay comes on screen and we're excited to see him. And then he does this terrible, terrible thing to two of our beloved characters how did you feel seeing Grant um, basically order the death of Trenton and Mobley? Part of me knows that Grant was just doing his job. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go again with this deal. Leon's got the knife at your throat. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so I know that Grant was just doing his job, but damn. Again, it was just, it was the way, the way that we had to say goodbye to them, mm. you know, it, that's what it was. So it's like, yeah. And the way they edited mm-hmm. it, it was like, maybe oh my God, yes. they got away or maybe no. they convinced them, but no, oh, no, no. I'm, I'm, come on, girl. with the dark army there, you know, I, know. I was just being <laughs> I was doing what Grant said and being hopeful. I was wrong. Uh, oh. I could see through Grant's heart. I'm like, girl, he's with a dark army there. There is no hope. Um, cause, but also because I'm, like, I'm like, with all the screaming that was going on, I'm like, they would have heard something. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. They're, yeah. No. Mm. Uh, not that hopeful. So, um, but the way that they cut, but the way that they um, did that scene, those scenes, intercut those scenes together, that was that was some good work. Yeah. It was. It ramped up the tension. It ramped up the tension because we had mm-hmm. two weeks of highly of high tension with those two episodes, and then this one was much calmer. Um, but that that last scene was so much tension, so much anxiety, and, and just that. Um, it was crazy. So I was thinking about um, Leon and Irving and Grant, and I was kind of putting them in these categories in my head that um, whenever you see Irving, he is the fixer. He's there to fix some problem um, that White Rose or whomever have identified for him to fix. Um, when we're seeing Leon, he's there, like he said, as a babysitter. He's not necessarily there to kill you. He's there to keep you where you need to be until um, it's time for you to serve your purpose. And then when I see Grant, I'm now looking at Grant as White Rose's assistant, that he's almost, um, he's almost the justice of White Rose. Because we saw in that Tyrell-focused episode that when Tyrell was doing the questioning, Grant was almost going to have Tyrell killed. 
until Terrell said he was loyal to Elliot and he changed his mind. And then we see him with Trenton and Mobley kind of handing out death at um, White Rose's behest. And even with stage two, because it was up for Grant to also make sure that that was executed as White Rose um, expected on that date. So I feel like he's kind of White Rose's justice as well as assistant. Yeah. Well, he did say, let me handle stage two for you, that he was more than capable, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it, mm. but I am excited for next week. And I don't remember, I I think I, um like Southern Cynic does, I kind of totally skipped the previews for next week. What did, did you remember what was in the previews for next week? And the previews for next week, there's, um, we get to see um, Elliot does come back. Um, we, uh, one, the main thing that stood out to me from the previews for next week's episode is that Elliot, we see Elliot going to that, um, the trash burning site, um, that we've seen him walk past before and he leaves the Mr. Robot jacket there. That's right. So, and then, uh, there's also some scenes with him and Darlene and he's saying, um, uh, basically saying that E-Corp e is going to be fine because I wanted this. And if, at one moment, you're kind of like, um, okay, are you, were you, are, did you start sipping from the same damn Kool-Aid that Angela's been drinking mm. or not? Um, but have, yeah. Have we seen that scene from the um, series trailer where Elliot and Angela are sitting in a restaurant? It looks like they're sitting down together in some restaurant or something. That hasn't happened yet in the season. No, that, that no has not happened. That has um, We've seen Angela sitting down with Irving, yes. Mm-hmm. But it, even, it was like in a booth. It wasn't like at the Red Will Bear. It was in a different type of a restaurant, or it might not even be a restaurant, but that still has to happen. So I'm interested in how that will happen because Elliot was betrayed by Angela. Um, so I got my e-coin perk this week. Did you get the ringtones as well? Yes, I did. And which one did you choose? One was called um, One to Blame, and the other one was called Hacker. And now that we've seen the episode, the titles for those two ringtones make a ton of sense. Um, so which one did you choose to put on your phone? Do you remember? Or have you not changed your ringtone? I haven't decided yet. I'm still trying to decide <laughs> which one. <laughs> They're that good. I'm like, which one? Or, uh, yeah, or maybe wondering if I could put, like, certain ringtones for certain people. Oh, you could do that. You could do that because I, yeah. I chose Hacker, and now when people call me, like, I will just sit and not answer the phone because I just want to listen to the <laughs> I just want to listen. Uh, yeah. I just want to listen to the ringtone because I love it so much. I love it There's so gonna much. There's going to be a lot of mystery a lot of missed phone calls going on and text text messages of people screaming at you, answer your phone. Okay. It's like, call me one more time. Call me one more time. <laughs> <laughs> so we can get it again. And I also got my um, Mr. Robot fleece. I was out of town when it came. So I got home late last night and the first thing I did was open up my e-coin box. So I was excited to try on my fleece. It fit beautifully. And I see, through Twitter that several people got that red wheelbarrow barbecue sauce and I'm still waiting for a review to know what it tastes like. So listeners, if you got some red wheelbarrow barbecue sauce, 
please drop us a line and let us know how did it taste. For real, let us know if it was worth all the hype that Irving was giving it. Um, I mean, had I got, if I was able to get it, funny enough, because we did have ribs at our Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> so it was real funny for me to be taking this um, the picture of the entire Thanksgiving spread and I see some damn ribs and I'm like, hmm. If only I had some damn red wheelbarrow sauce to try it out and see how good it is. That's true. Because I had some barbecue. I was at home in Georgia for a little bit, and I went purposely and got some barbecue, and I was thinking the same thing. So Yeah. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, not, you know, with our usual, with the usual sauce that we be putting on, yeah, the family likes that. But, still, I'm, I'm just curious because Irving just talked it up. He did. And he made it look so delicious when he was eating it. Um, uh-huh. So we talked about Grant a little bit. Um, so it's time for our weekly segment um, called Wholesome and Shameless, in which we talk about our shenanigans with Mr. Grant Chang in the last week. So um, after last week's podcast, I tweeted to Grant and told him about said segment. And I think he is on board because he retweeted it with the hashtag Wholesome. Um, and he also <laughs> followed us. He also followed us on Twitter. So that was exciting. That was an exciting night in the DM. Um, so he, we made the decision or, or one of us made the decision to slide into his DMs last week. And, uh, Akira, tell the listeners how you and Southern Cynic reacted when I did that without telling you. Well, I mean, paying attention, we kind of had, I kind of had a feeling that you were going to do it eventually, but <laughs> still, a warning would have been nice. <laughs> but, yeah. how, how did it pop up? Um, I think up? I ended up. How did it pop up for you on Twitter? Like, how did you guys know I did it? Because I did put you in it. Yeah, because I get notifications. Um, but yeah, but then um, as far as reacting to it in the DMs, I think I used um, that moment from The Office where Steve Carell's character is like, it's happening. Calm down, <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Well, so listeners, I did slide into Grant Chang's um, DMs and I brought um, Southern Cynic and Akira along for the ride. And we did determine that what happens in the DMs will stay in the DMs because of, you know, etiquette and all that. So let us just say it's been fun. It's been a fun time. And Grant Chang is a willing participant. That's all I'm going to say about that. But uh, he is so kind, and we've had some um, nice interactions um, with him on Twitter. And did you see the tweet when he called us his ladies? Yes, I did. Uh, I felt some kind of way about that. I felt some kind of way. And you are, um, I was saying before we recorded, that I appreciate that you do some Instagram stalking of him. So we are always up to date. (laughs) Why do you want to call it Instagram stalking? What do you want me to call it? (laughs) Um, some Instagram uh, checking people's feeds, checking my time, checking my scrolls, the timeline. That's okay, it. I like that I mean, you it does regularly you. check your Instagram account. I like that you regularly check your Instagram account and let us know when Grant um, posts interesting things, etc., etc., etc. Is that better? <laughs> yes, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. 
So one of the things, yeah. one of the one of the benefits of of having this relationship with Grant, and I'm yes, listeners, I'm calling it a relationship, is someone, and I don't remember who it was, but Akira, you had put something in our DMs about there was some theory about White Rose and Donald Trump. And I, I hate that I even said that name. So so can you tell our listeners what those tweets were kind of saying? Okay, so if you've been living under a rock the past couple of hours, the past couple of days or couple of weeks, however long, everybody knows I refuse to call. Can I call? Do you want me to call this man by what I really call him by? Yes. Okay, never, let me not do that. Um, <laughs> <'cause you know. laughs> Bless you. <laughs> Let me not call him, but what I what I really refer to him as. Um, so that um, that that person that person has um, always had an obsession with Time Magazine, mm-hmm. and you know made it decided to just rattle people's feathers a startle people's feathers a little bit by saying that he may he could have been their person of the year, and Twitter basically was clapping back at that, and even Time Magazine kind of clapped back, but. Kind of, they directly did. I kind of have two favorite clapbacks to that at the moment. So the first favorite clapback was, um, this is, you know, basically saying this is the reason why he's so obsessed with Time Magazine. And it's just a collage of um, Time Magazine covers with with Forever Obama. Yes. (laughs) Yes, seriously, come back, Barack. Okay. (laughs) Um, And then also... um, and then also, uh, so I just, you know, was randomly going through the Mr. Robot handle on Twitter and someone was tweeting about it. And then uh, someone replied to some, there was a reply to someone's tweet basically saying that that person is White Rose. And I was like, say what now? <laughs> exactly. So the person was saying that that was confirmation that White Rose is supposed to be Donald Trump. That person. That person. So I promptly went over to Mr. Grant Chang's Twitter account and metaphorically knocked on his door and and had the tweets and said, can you explain this to us, sir? And his reply, his reply was... the right thing to do. (laughs) I did. I said in the DMs, I said, I'm going to go tell Grant. (laughs) All right, Sheree. (laughs) So, so um, Grant replied, he said, um, White Rose is highly intelligent. White Rose is a strong woman. White Rose is always in control. White Rose is obsessed with time. Trump is obsessed with Trump and plays a lot of golf. So he basically put that theory to rest, which we appreciated him for. Um, So if anyone is out there making that analogy, please stop. Please, please stop. Yes. So I as, a, as Grant said, don't don't with his woman. That is right. He is very protective of White Rose. He is very protective of White Rose, and we appreciate that. Um, I had a question. I was thinking about this. Has there ever been a Back to the Future um, Mr. Robot live tweet? Mr. Robot live tweet? No, a a, a live tweet of the movie Back to the Future oh, for the Mr. Um, robot community. I don't think there has. I mean, there may have been a live tweet that I just can't remember, but as far as from the Mr. Robot community, no. I'm, I'm wondering if that might be something folks would be interested in since Miss, um, Back to the Future has been such a recurring theme 
for the series that maybe, um, maybe I'll do a poll and see if people are interested in doing a live tweet of Back to the Future. Yeah. And also another thing that we, um, idea that came to mind and I ran that by you, ran that by you in Southern Senate was, uh, um, again, you know, with the uh, award season pretty much being upon us and we were, um, what is it? Um, and tweeting out all the news that, of Senate awards, Senate awards nominations that uh, Mr. Rillat was getting. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone had replied back about how they nominate, how they would nominate Core for um, the best R, um, ARG, and that got me thinking. I was like, "Hmm, should we do a fan-based awards thing after season three is over?" We absolutely should. We absolutely yeah. should. One of, those, one of those categories has to be about Leon and his and his uh, TV commentary. Oh my gosh, can we give the Leon's character a podcast? Because I would listen to it. I just want to hear him talk about all of these TV shows because he has some great insight and he is absolutely right about Frasier. He was not wrong at all. Like how did Frasier get all of those women to sleep with him? It's a mystery. It is a mystery. So one of the highlights of the episode was uh, uh, the Knight Rider theme. Oh my God. It gave me my life. And that will be our theme music this week. So it yeah, will be. I'm not gonna lie when it not gonna lie when it did um, play. I was dancing. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, oh, I feel like my childhood has has come back. But he was he was right about um, Kit and Michael's relationship. He was right about uh-huh. Frazier. Um, he was right about Trenton and Mobley sounding like um, George and Elaine. George and yeah. Elaine. He's he's on point with with everything he said. So I could definitely listen to a Leon podcast and intersperse that with some Joey badass music. That's a hit. That's a hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned the Sin Awards um, nominations. So basically uh, Mr. Robot has been nominated in several categories, best episode for runtime error Um, Best Actor in a Drama for Rami, Best Supporting Actor in a Drama for Bobby Cannavale, Best Directed in TV by Sam. Um, And so I know the voting opens December 11th, but can you tell listeners what that voting process is like? Okay. And then, um, well, they also just a couple of hours ago earned another nomination, this time for Best Drama Series. Oh, So the way that Senate awards, yeah. So the way that Senate awards works, um, this is basically the third one that the third one that Mr. Robot has um, been nominated for. Uh, So the way that it works, as you mentioned, polls for voting opens on uh, December 11th and it's um, free. You know, you can vote as often as you like, unlimited voting. Um, Polls will basically be open from December 11th and they will close on February 19th. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to announce the winners on February 28th. Um, so they do, they do contact the winners after the polls close and they do have an award that they actually send out to, um, to whoever, ha- whoever ends up winning the categories. Um, I don't think, however, that there's ever, you know, in terms of, I guess, sending them out, I've seen some people who have won the awards who do take a photo of it and kind of send it back to Senate Diction to let them know, you know, we got it, got the award. Thank you so much. Thank you to the fans who voted. But yes, fan, get your voting fingers ready to vote. Um, yeah, December 11th, get ready. Um, as soon as the link um, opens up, you know I'll be retweeting it and tweeting it and tweeting it and tweeting it. 
Yes, as we will be yeah. from our Twitter account. But also, um, make sure you follow at Sin Addiction. So it's at underscore C-I-N-N-E-A-D-D-I-T-I-O-N. I spelled it wrong. Addiction. Sin Addiction. So make sure you follow them on Twitter. And um, Akira, talk a little bit about your um, website that you run. Okay. So the website that I run, um, Hello Friend. Um, so in addition to running the Twitter, uh, the Hello Friend Twitter account, I run the website basically to um, keep track of all the news articles that come up about Mr. Robot, recaps, uh, some any video, videos, interviews, whatnot. So basically, it's kind of like a, in case you missed it, you can always go to the website to catch it. Um, yeah, I need to up, uh, just going to say I need to update things from this episode. Guys, it was Thanksgiving weekend. You know, you're forgiven. You're yeah. forgiven because her yeah. website, your website is an excellent source of information on Mr. Robot. And I know Sam is aware of your um, website and you've met Sam. And um, so, you know, if you want more information about Mr. Robot, head on over to um, Akira's website. Can you give him your um, web address? Yeah, it's... Um www.hellofriendh3lll0fri3nd.com. Yep, head on over there. That would be awesome. So you have spent an hour and some change with us talking about Frederick and Tanya. Rest in peace, y'all. Um, so this is at Cetaline. You can find me on Twitter at C-T-A-L-L-E-E-N. Where can they find you, Akira? They can find me on Twitter at HelloFriendH3LL0FRI3ND1. Perfect. And you can always follow us on Twitter at Unmasked Podcast. Um, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Please make sure that you subscribe and leave us a review because we like to know what you think. And if you're listening and not following us on Twitter, um, Southern Cynic says you have to. That was like the last thing she said to me before we started recording. That you have to so. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye.